We're going to be looking at a message I call Burning Hearts Inside Us in Luke chapter 24 and verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? Now, with all due respect to my fellow sufferers of regular acid reflux and heartburn, I can say this is the kind of heartburn we desperately need. This is a good thing. It's not one we're going to go looking for a Tums or a Rolaids for. No, not that kind of heartburn. Uh, But this is a heartburn that comes to us by the power of the Word of God. As the Spirit of God blesses it into the hearts of His people. And I'm convinced that today as then, this is a burning heart that we all need. Now the story of how these two disciples got it. Cleophas was one, the other we do not know, uh, is set in the aftermath of the crucifixion. In fact, it was set on that first Easter Sunday long ago. And as soon as I mention Easter, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, you know, Easter was a couple of weeks ago. Hey, we didn't get much of an Easter last year, so I decided to get a double dose this year. So uh, that's all right. Uh, After all, you know, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every single one. And it's always appropriate to preach about it. But on this day, we're thinking about that burning heart that they got. And it just needs to be understood by us that this was set on that first Easter Sunday so long ago. Uh, The Sabbath was over. Uh, The empty tomb has been discovered The angels have given their announcement to the women who came. He is not here, for he is risen. Great news. And here these people are, these two men, Cleopas and this other, are now leaving Jerusalem, headed home to Emmaus, a village about seven miles away. That means it was about a two or three hour walk at best. While they were walking, they were talking, as I'm sure people have done throughout all of our history. They were talking about the current events. There on that Easter Sunday, Luke chapter 24 and verse 13, if you think I'm just, uh, no, listen, it's right there. On that same day, on that same day, as the events that began this chapter, this day that started with the incredible news, now here they are taking a walk. And before the day is over, it will end up with breaking bread and burning hearts. Now the details of this story are here for our instruction and our example. Because there's a sense in which we all need this same kind of burning hearts today. And I hope by the time we're through this morning, you'll understand more about why I say that. We'll begin our consideration of this passage with their discouragement So it was while they conversed and reasoned, verse 15 says, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another, excuse me, as you walk and are sad? So as Jesus caught up with these two men as they were walking, he began to listen to their conversation. These men were sad and discouraged in spite of everything that had happened. In spite of everything they'd heard, they were sad. 
and they were downtrodden. It's a good thing for us to remember this morning. You know, you can backslide on Easter Sunday. These guys did. One of the one then whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, verse 18, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened here in these days? And he, that's Jesus, said to them, well, what things? So they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, beside all this, today is the third day. Can you hear that forlorn Note in their words, we were hoping, we had hoped. There might have been times in your life and in mine certainly where we have been, we have experienced that same feeling. We're familiar with it. We felt it at the doctor's office perhaps when after a series of tests and we had prayed and prayed and prayed and had so many praying with us. But in spite of all our prayers, when we went back, we got the news that we didn't want. We had hoped. We certainly feel it when the sting of death arrives to claim one we love. We had hoped. We had hoped. We feel it when we put our confidence in the power of prayer and we claim that promise with God. Nothing is impossible. We hoped. But then things didn't turn out the way we had anticipated. You see... They were looking for the Messiah that was going to redeem Israel. They were expecting Jesus to usher in the kingdom on the spot and uh, do away with the dreaded Roman Empire and restore Israel to its place of prominence and sit on the throne of the Father David forever and ever. They were expecting that. They were hoping. But they didn't get what they were looking for. That wasn't all, though, there was to the story. There was more to it. Verse 22, they would go on. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Now, if you read back earlier in the chapter, you'll see that uh, the apostles did not believe the women when they came and said that the tomb was empty and we saw an angel and the angel told us that Jesus was alive. And I, I really think, I can't prove it, but I really think this was the first time in recorded history uh, that men ever didn't listen to women when they told them something. <clears throat> Never happened before or since. I mean, it just, uh, oh. Uh, but these guys were still carrying on that. They, they had heard this. The women said that. But, you know, the men went and looked and they didn't. The tomb is empty. That's all we know. And uh, They weren't putting much credibility in that. The angels, though, had given those women that message. Why did the angels give it to the women? They were the only ones who showed up at the tomb. Now, in, their, in our defense, and everybody's defense, we know that the women did not go there with the expectation of finding the tomb empty. They went there to anoint the body of Jesus. You know that. As they were going, they were wondering, how are we going to move the stone? <laughs> You'd think that one or two men would have at least shown up to help them anoint the body, but nobody would die. We can't do this. What are we going to do? Where are the men? We don't know. We don't know. They're not here. The women were the only ones who showed up. 
I can almost see those angels sitting there in the darkness of the tomb saying, man, I wonder when's somebody going to come? When will they get here? There's the women out there. How are we going to move the stone? They're saying, well, why don't you call John and Peter and tell them to get over here? Uh, uh, no, they didn't have that kind of technology back then, of course. Uh, none of that. But there were those angels just waiting for someone to arrive on the day when Jesus said he'd rise again. You'd think somebody, somebody would expecting the tomb to be empty but they didn't and even when they got the word and they saw it and they got the word from the shining sons of light the angels he is not here he is risen why do you seek the living among the dead and yet here they were they had put the greatest news that ever fell on human ears they had put that in their rearview mirror and were going home sad and discouraged and downtrodden. Jesus speaks to them very directly. He says, verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now remember, uh, they didn't know Jesus from Adam at this point. They had no idea who it was. Uh, but here they were, this guy comes uh, up to them and starts talking to them, and, and he immediately issues a stern rebuke. Now, they would later know, of course, who it was, but right now he's just somebody who knows the Bible, and what's he telling them? Uh, this is foolish. That foolishness, you see, spoke of their unbelief. They had not believed what the prophets had spoken. They were slow of heart, which would speak of their lack of understanding. Why were they discouraged? Why had they lost hope? Why were they sad? Because they were foolish. They had not believed. Because they were slow of heart. They had no understanding then of all the things that the prophets had spoken. I would suggest to you this morning that there are many times in our life when we face the same disappointment and the same discouragement because we are slow to believe all the things that God has said. And when you think about it, that's rather strange. We've trusted Him with our eternal destiny. We trusted Him to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to make us a child of God. We trust Him with our forever, but we have trouble trusting Him for bread. We have tr trouble trusting Him for our business. We have trouble trusting Him in our everyday life. It's easier for us to trust Him for eternity than it is for us to trust Him with the daily details. And the reason for that is sometimes because we fail to see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. I want to remind you this morning, we will never face an experience in this life that we don't face it through the filter of the living Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ is alive allows us to look at whatever happens, whatever. And we see it differently because we know Jesus is alive and we know we're going to live forever with him. It changes us. It changes the way we look at life. It changes the way that we look at the world. We hear then the cry of the Messiah as he approaches them and says, Oh foolish and 
slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Their discouragement. Then we also see their discovery. Jesus himself drew near, verse 15. You know, as I do, Jesus could have theoretically gone anywhere in the universe. He could have gone around to Alpha Centauri or something for a while. You know, gone to another galaxy or two. Or he could have gone anywhere, done anything. But he went to these discouraged disciples and drew near to them. We all know that Jesus seeks us in salvation, or at least I hope we do. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're in this building today and you've never received Christ. I want you to know that your presence here today is not an accident. The very fact that you're here is proof positive that Jesus Christ is seeking you. Those of you who are watching from home, you're not sure about your eternal destiny. You don't know whether you're saved or not or maybe you know you're lost. But yet you're watching this program today. And that is proof positive that Jesus is seeking you. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says there's none that seeketh after God. None. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every side unto his own way. And yet the Lord hath laid on him, that's Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. Certainly, certainly Jesus seeks us in salvation. But I'm glad to be able to tell you today that when we turn our back on the good news or maybe we start down the wrong path as a believer in Christ like these two disciples so long ago, Jesus Christ still seeks us. He sought them. He sought them. It's a glorious thing then that Jesus doesn't just seek us in salvation, but he keeps on seeking us when we are headed away from him, when we're not following him, when we're not believing him, when we're maybe discouraged and downtrodden, full of doubts. Jesus sought them. <laughs> but then, of course, he caught them. <laughs> you, you knew that was coming. It, it has to come. He, he sought them. And he caught them. He caught them right in the middle of their foolish, low-hearted unbelief. We need to remind ourselves from time to time that we never involve ourselves in anything that Jesus Christ is unaware of. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what's on our tongue. He knows what's in our mind. He knows what we're going through. And so there they were, so sad, so discouraged, so depressed, so down on this greatest of all days. And Jesus caught them Right in the middle of it. And you know, he didn't speak real nice to him. <laughs> oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He rebuked them. You know, we live in a day where it seems like it's the greatest crime against humanity to hurt somebody's feelings. But you know, Jesus Christ just was very direct. Uh, he knew that sometimes our feelings have to be hurt if we're ever going to turn from where we are and turn to him. He spoke the truth to them. He wasn't mean. He wasn't rude. He just spoke very directly. You're on the wrong path. You are, are foolish. You're, you're, you're foolish in your unbelief. You're slow of heart in your understanding. This was the day of all days. And instead of being thrilled and happy, they'd given up on the day. They'd turned their back on it and walked away. They'd given up. 
I wonder how many days you and I give up on way too soon. Give up before the blessing comes. There was a great blessing in this day. These guys were walking away from it. So he, he sought them and he caught them. And, and then, yeah, yeah, he taught them. He did. He taught them. Verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What a sermon that was. Remember Moses wrote uh, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books in the Old Testament. Malachi was the last of the prophets. And so when he spoke of from Moses to prophets, it was Genesis to Malachi. The Old Testament scriptures was all they had. And Jesus then spent that two hours at least, probably maybe closer to three, preaching them an incredible sermon. A sermon that took the scriptures and showed him self in those scriptures. There was more at work here than just that. Although that in itself is a great thing. All the types and the shadows of the Old Testament, he could show them to them. And Jesus didn't have a scroll, he didn't have a Bible, but I, I have to picture it kind of that way in my mind as he would, he would point out the scriptures. This was just something he was quoting to them. But I could see him almost in my mind pointing to this and said, you, you see that? Uh, yeah, that lamb right there? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that Passover lamb? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's me. That, that first fruit offering? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Can you imagine what a message this was? with all the types and pictures and shadows in the Old Testament, and he opened their eyes to the truth of the Scripture so that they saw Jesus. You study the Scriptures and you don't see Jesus, you need to study them again. But you need to repent first. You've missed something. Something's wrong. My heart is slow. My faith is weak. I'm not seeing Jesus. But you know, Jesus had not allowed them to see him physically, not with these eyes. See, the time of Jesus' physical presence was coming to an end. He wasn't going to be with them anymore. Where to four these disciples, if they wanted to go see Jesus, they just went, went and saw Jesus. They want to talk to Jesus, go talk to him. They want to hear Jesus preach, hey, I hear he's over on the Sea of Galilee. Well, let's go. Um, and away they went. If they wanted to hear Jesus preach, they did. But that time was coming to a close. They weren't going to see Jesus with these eyes anymore. And I think Jesus was giving them a preview of what was going to happen and what continues in our lives to this day. We don't see Jesus with these eyes. We see him in the scriptures. And that's why he began to open then the scriptures to them so that they could see him through the word of God. If you want to hear from Jesus today, open your Bibles and read the New Testament. If you want a message from him, well, he's given you one. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit and it will bless your life. This is why Jesus closed their eyes in for a bit to hit the reality of who he was so they could see him and hear him through the scriptures. Well, they made it to their destination, still not knowing it was Jesus. But then as they went in and they sat down, the Bible says in verse 30 that he took bread and blessed it and broke it. That they had seen Jesus do that before. And at that moment, then the Bible says their eyes were opened and they knew him. And just like that, in that very instant, Jesus disappeared. He was gone. As soon as they knew who he was and saw him, they was gone. And that was... Where the heartburn 
showed up in the text. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? This was what these men needed, though it wasn't necessarily what they wanted. They, they hadn't got what they wanted. We had hoped, but what they needed, they needed to be able to see Jesus in the Word of God. And we need the same thing. Because when we do then, the Word of God comes alive in our hearts as we see Him and we understand it. And that truth then just begins to burn in us. It's what we long for and what we pray for Sunday after Sunday. We want to see Jesus. And we want our hearts to be on fire. Paul would write to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? We don't see Jesus today with these eyes. We see him with the eyes of the heart, the eyes of the inward man, the spiritual man. We see him as the disciples on the Emmaus Road saw him. We see him in the scriptures. As they are illuminated to us, as we can see them, as they are preached to us, as the Holy Spirit drives them home to us, our hearts burn. Their discouragement, their discovery, now see their declaration, verse 33. So there rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So though they had put the greatest news that had ever been told in their rearview mirror. They were going home and they were discouraged and sad and downtrodden. Yet Jesus sought them and, and caught them. And, and yes, he taught them and he illumined the scriptures to them and he opened their eyes into his presence. What came next? <laughs> well, they had walked seven miles this way. You know what they did? They got up and went seven miles back the other way. How many of you know they weren't walking all downtrodden and sad when they went back? It's a different, different couple of guys now. <laughs> Their hearts are burning. They, they've been with Jesus. The scriptures have been opened to them. They saw Jesus in the scriptures. And then they got to see him for just a second like that. And what are they doing? Man, I got to go tell. Here they go. I, I bet it didn't take them three hours to get back. They probably cut the time in half going back. Hey, man, I got to go. And where would they go? They went to Jerusalem. <laughs> Remember this is Sunday. And they found where the people were assembled together. They went to church. That's where they went on Sunday night. Can you imagine such a thing? They went to church. They walked in. Let me tell you something. They said, let, me, let us tell you something. Jesus is alive indeed. And he's appeared unto Simon. And they told him, well, let me tell you about what happened to us. We walked with him for two hours. We didn't even know who he was. We sat down. We ate bread. He broke bread. And all of a sudden we could see him. That was him. Our hearts were on fire. And all of a sudden, who shows up? 
There's Jesus again. Same thing. In church, Sunday night. You see then their incredible delight that came as they assembled with the other disciples and they made their declaration. They couldn't wait to go and tell. There Jesus came to them. No rebuke now. Now he says, peace to you. Peace to you. Uh, I don't have time this morning to go on and preach the rest of the whole passage this morning to you. You can see that today. There's other things that happen. Great stories that, that happen. Wonderful things. As Jesus then reacted to their declaration. And then they got the delight. You see, when your heart is burning with the truth of Jesus Christ, there's only one way to get over it. And that's to let it out. you got to let it out. We saw that again on the day of Pentecost. Just a few weeks later, you remember the story. Rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire, people speaking in languages that they'd never studied. And the Bible gives us two key words when this was noised abroad. Noised abroad. They went out and told it. Why? Because their hearts were burning with the truth of what God had done in that place. You understand maybe a little bit better why I say that we need to get that kind of holy heartburn, the kind that has to be shared. Because there's a world all around us today that needs to hear a bunch of excited people telling what Jesus Christ has done. You see, I talk about this day so long ago when these people heard the best news that had ever fallen on the ears of human beings. But I want you to know today that that news is still as good this morning as it was 2,000 years ago. It's still as true today as it was then. Nothing has happened to it. The message is still real. It's still good. It's still life-changing. It's incredible truth. Jesus is alive. I had a good time with him this morning. Man, you should have been there. When your hearts are burning, you see, you have to tell it. Ask the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah got all down in the dumps, and he had a good reason for being down in the dumps. People were being mean to him. They weren't listening to what he had to say. They'd put him in prison and they'd beaten him, all kinds of things they did to Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah got tired of it. He said, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I will not speak to this people anymore. But then he said, but his words was a fire in my bones. And I grew weary with forbearing. And I could not stay. Any God-called preacher will tell you it's a whole lot harder not to preach than it is to preach. And if you get this holy heartburn in your life, you're going to find out it's a whole lot harder to try to keep it to yourself than it is to let it out. Because when you let it out, then Jesus blesses that. Especially when we let it out in the gathering of God's people. When they met with Him on Sunday and there Jesus met with them. But Jesus still meets with us today. Where two or three of you, he said, gather in my name. 
And he placed that in the context of the church. In Matthew 18, when you gather together, there, he says, I will be in the midst of you. Lo, he said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We know that Jesus Christ meets with us. And he speaks peace to us. But it's not insignificant that this happened on church on Sunday night. Nancy sent me a saying. She got off social media. You've probably all seen it by now. It said, be careful. The more you miss church, the less you miss church. It's time to go back. If you haven't seen it, now you've heard it. The more you miss church, the less you miss church. We need this assembly and the gathering of God's people. God blesses it when we gather together. There's an amazing and incredible assurance and peace that comes to us. We get that burning heart that comes from sitting under the word of God. I wish I could tell you that you could have that just one time and it would last for the rest of your life. But you know and I know that's not the way it is. We get a burning heart on Sunday morning, but you know by the time we've had a good meal and a good nap, it's it's time to come back. We need another dose. And I promise you, by the time you've gone through two days of working out there in this world, yeah, thank God it's Wednesday night and you can come and have it again. But I won't just tell you this morning that the only place that we can ever get that burning heart is when we come to church. That's certainly a place where God works in an amazing way. But I want you to know the scriptures are available to you. And Jesus tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of God. We need to be in the scriptures. It can burn in our hearts. And it will. Just when we pray to the Holy Spirit and say, make your word, God, live in me. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I can see you. Oh, how Christians need burning hearts today. The kind that says, I got to tell something. I got to tell you. I've got to let this out. If I try to keep it in, it's going to bust me wide open. I've got to do it. I've got to let it out. It's time for us as God's people to be noising abroad the mighty works of God. Maybe you're in this building today and you're uncertain of your salvation. Maybe you're watching from home. I want you to know God does not intend for your life to be a question mark where spiritual matters are concerned. The most important decision that anybody ever makes is that decision to receive Christ as their Savior. These people that Jesus sought out that day so long ago were already disciples. They were already believers. But maybe today Jesus is seeking you because you need to be saved. And you know it and He knows it. That burning that you're feeling in your heart is not the burning of blessing. It is the burning of conviction. It is the power of the Spirit of God taking the Word of God as only He can do and telling you that you need Jesus Christ drawing you to your salvation. You say, how can I be saved? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.
saved. It is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried, but he didn't stay there. He rose again the third day to prove that he has the power to give life. And he will give you that life if you ask him. You acknowledge your sin, you know you're a sinner. I don't mean today that you have to confess every sin you've ever committed in your life. You can't remember them all. The sin that you confess is your sin of unbelief. The very sin that Jesus rebuked these believing people for. It's the worst sin and most damning of all sin. People are condemned, Jesus said, because they have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Oh, don't go out of this life saying no to Jesus Christ. Receive Him as your Savior today.